Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Georgia. With me is Greg Velasquez in Iowa. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. The U.S. beat Honduras, of course, 3-0 in a must-win game in St. Paul on Wednesday. We're here to recap it. Greg, how you doing? I'm all right, Bells. We got our, we got our three points in the freezing cold. Uh, we played uh, a minimal but still, I think, uh, important piece of that personally to, uh, <laughs> to have shown up because uh, it, was, it was rough. It was. It was. Yeah. As everyone knows, it was very, very cold uh, an aggressive, hostile cold. Um, but I just want to thank everybody who showed up at Lake Monster Brewing uh, and rondoed and sang and chatted with us. I had a blast. I think a lot of people did. And these events are always a, a big encouragement to me. So thanks it was, everyone. It was fantastic. That was my first first game that I've been to this cycle. And it was super fun. Uh, a lot of great people showed up that, uh, you know, got to interact with in real life. Finally, um, the Rondo was awesome. Uh, probably probably a dozen people out in the frigid air going for it with boots. One of on, them with wearing coats. only socks and yeah, short sleeve shirts. There was some Yahoo out there just shoes off totally. He wasn't going to mess with the boots. <laughs> so just went in his essentially bare feet. Uh, the surface though, I'll say we were playing on this concrete right outside the brewery, probably a little bit better than the surface in Hamilton, if we're being honest. Uh, so I think, I think we've kind of <laughs> lucked out with the playing surface. Um, no, I'm going to go into a little bit here. Like it gives me these great ambitions for what I want, like a game day experience to be for future scuffed events. Like the Rondo is fun, but obviously the cold is working against full participation there. I want it. I right. want to get like game days, like just have like a, everyone who's there early, like have like a 10 or 11 a.m full full blown like five aside where where for a couple oh, hours man. we find a place at a park or whatever and get a real game going and it early enough to get ready and then you know do the actual pre pre game uh festivities that we definitely participated in uh at, at the brewery but i i feel like we could get there i feel like we could have a scuffed sponsored five aside and if, if this kind of thing already exists somewhere i want i want to get into it I don't think it does. And a lot of, a lot of people do, you know, a lot of people listen to this podcast do actually enjoy playing soccer. So, um, yeah, let's do it. Let's try to make something like that happen. All so, right. You know, in Nashville, we had a couple goals. Somebody brought some goals. Toodle, Toodle Raman brought some goals and set those up. Uh, and we played a little bit, but it, uh, it didn't get, it didn't get too out of hand. Now this will be scheduled. Like I'll bring the bibs. Like we'll have a, we'll have a real five aside winter stays kind of situation. It's going to happen. Yeah. We're making it happen. And on the, and on the singing front, which, you know, is kind of, I'm the sort of director of singing at Scuffed. Um, I, I think we, we did a respectable showing on singing Oh John Luca, but uh, I, I learned some lessons from that. I think I need to get like a group of people close, you know, 20 to 25 enthusiastic singers close to me, wherever I stand up <laughs> to sort of build critical mass. <laughs> it was a little, the, the participation was good, but it was kind of scattered around the room. And, um, so I, so it's, we're in a process of continual improvement here. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Very similar to the United States men's national soccer team. Yes, yes, yes. So the lineup, the lineup on this, uh, I mean, frigid doesn't do it justice. It was, it was, uh, I don't know. Dangerously cold is I guess true. I do want to get, take issue with that a little bit, but I mean, do, do, very, do, very, very cold. Do people want like a couple of the anecdotes about it? Like, uh, standing in the stadium holding my beer and got jostled a little bit. And before my, the beer that spilled hit my coat, 
it was frozen. It was chunks of like snowball just falling off of my coat. Yeah. Beer froze instantly in the air. Yeah. If you did like a beer shower, it would be a, a hail storm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, uh, I mean, you guys have heard all about that. The USA lineup was, uh, Matt Turner in goal, Reggie Cannon at, at right back, replacing Serginio Dest, who started in, Started both of the first two games of the window. Walker Zimmerman and Miles Robin, Robinson as the center backs. And then Anthony with his third straight start at left back. Just rugged over there. He's uh, he's indefatigable. And then um, Kellen Acosta stepping in for Tyler Adams at the six, who's out with a hamstring strain. And then uh, West McKenney and Luca De La Torre as the, as the eights. Luca giving uh, Eunice Musa a bit of a spell. And then Tim Weah, Ricardo Pepe, and Jordan Morris across the front line. Christian Pulisic got to uh, start the game on the bench. Any thoughts from you, Greg? Yes. I, I mean, these are, these are not full, like, guaranteed uh, players in this lineup. You know, th- these are some curveballs, right? Yeah. So just cannon over Dest right away, like, in a must-win game with everyone available. Serginho Dest is our starter. This is a must-win game. So it's it's just kind of curious about whether or not it's like the sport. This is a sports bra rotation, or if Burhalter feels like Cannon is uh, offers something, you know, some level of uh, fit that against this opponent. I don't know. Like, it, surely it's just rotation, right? I think so. Yeah, I th- and I think yeah, it's got to be rotation, and and ultimately didn't really matter that much because the right, you know, I mean, Cannon, I guess, got into the attack a little bit. Dest probably would have done more in the attack, but like there was no chance of Honduras scoring in this game. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that is 100% true. Uh, it did allow us to get the shot of Dest on the sideline in his in his gear, uh, blowing like breath rings. Yes, with Mackenzie looking at him, which for me <laughs> is probably looking at him like <laughs> that's that is the greatest moment to have come out of this game. We'll get into some of the Burhalter moments later, I'm sure, but that's the best, yeah. that's the best image from this game. It was, it was beautiful. It was the childlike wonder from Serginho <laughs> as he uh, saw his breath. Luca De La Torre, right? Like you see that name in the starting sheet. Didn't, that wasn't like, Oh, well, we'll for sure have Luca in the midfield for this one. Had no idea if he would play at all this window. Uh, so to see him starting kind of a big deal, right? Yeah. I saw I saw some, you know, some of the tinfoily type of folks on Twitter saying, well, the only reason Berhalter's starting Luca in this game is so that he can look bad and then he'll be justified <laughs> in not having given him a look up to this point. I'm like, good grief. That is some 70 chess right there. But um, it's the op- anyway, for, for me, it's the opposite. I was I was fully expecting like this lineup to be in the best position to succeed uh, from like a narrative standpoint, because we're coming off of a brutal road match against the best team in the region. And now we're moving to a home game against the worst team in the region. Like Honduras has, you know, you could say they they're eliminated mathematically. So they're going to collapse and they didn't wait to get eliminated mathematically to collapse. They collapsed. I mean, from the moment we scored our second goal on them back in September, they have been collapsing nonstop for six months. So uh, zero wins. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is, this is a team that's, like rock bottom. Uh, so this, in my mind, I was like, Oh, this will be great. Pepe will come in after everyone's frustrated with Zardes. Uh, and he'll get like, a this big lift. Uh, so I, I, when I saw Luca's name on there, I was thinking the same thing. Like, unless he really, uh, squanders this opportunity, he's in a perfect situation to look good. 
And we'll get even more into that as we go through Honduras's lineup. But it was a, it was a surprise for me to see his name on there ahead of Musa. So again, I don't know if it's uh, just Berhalter being that confident about what this uh, even like a somewhat second choice group can do that he's willing to rotate, knowing that, you know, some guys shouldn't go three games in a row. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, you could argue Musa was starting to look tired against Canada. Um, so, I mean, from a rotation perspective, it, it makes sense to try somebody different. Luke is completely fresh and he did look good. Like for the most part, he looked quite good in this game with all the caveats that we'll get into. Um, yeah. So any, Honduras, any, any player, ahead. any player who started the first two games, it makes complete sense to have them out. Like there's, you don't need any other explanation than that. Than like, oh, he's, this is the third game. He's gone two games in a row. The conditions suck. Like it's, we got to rotate him. So there's no, I, I don't have any, I don't have any of that tinfoil stuff. It's, it was, it's just, it wasn't guaranteed that Luca would be the guy to do it, even if we were going to rotate. And Musa did start three games in a row back in the October window. So, you know, like Berhalter's willing to do it. McKenney's starting his third here in the midfield. So, yep. uh, so anyway, it was just, it was cool to see. And it was just going to be an exciting uh, chance to see Luca do his thing. Yep. And it was, you know, we'll, we'll get into this more, but it was, it was a little frustrating to look back on that Panama game. <laughs> even even with all the, the caveats, like the weather and the, you know, how bad Honduras is and how hopeless their situation is. Um, it, you saw Luca do a lot of things in this game that sure would have been nice to, to get from one of our midfielders in that Panama game, you know? Yeah, no, no question about it. Retroactively, retrospectively. Or the Jamaica game. Yeah, you know, the way we were flailing against Panama like there's there's no two ways about it. Like rolling the dice with the player that Luca De La Torre is, the strengths that he has, maybe they wouldn't have come good. But it was it's just one of those things where like based on how the other guys in the game were doing, if De La Torre is your guy on the bench, like you had you it you had we had to have rolled those dice. So it it does make that sting a little bit more that we didn't even give ourselves the chance to see uh, what right. what a player like that could do. And and again, for me, it still comes down to like he just has this mentality, right? I don't know. Seeing him do it against Honduras in this, these conditions, knowing what Honduras are sort of what their mindset is, does not tell us that he'll be able to do it in any other game the rest of the way. But like the mentality is there. The mentality yeah. is clearly there. He wants to push the game. He, he wants, wants to push to the go. game forward. And this, yeah. this is what we've been aching for is, is for Burhalter to throw a lifeline to any of these midfielders we have. Eric Williamson, Paxton Pomacall, Luca De La Torre. Uh, to give them a run and just say, can they actually push the game forward? And in, in certainly in this case against this opponent, De La Torre was doing that. Yeah. And it wasn't perfect all the time. You know, he, he, he had some mistakes, but, but the, yeah, the mentality was there. All right. Honduras, Honduras is lineup. Hey, hold on. Luis hold on. Lopez. Another guy, another guy missing. And I know he started the other, the first two games, but Christian pools, like not in the lineup must win game. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've all, but sort of demanded that in the <laughs> run up to the game for him to just take a break and and it seems to have uh i think it's well obviously it worked out but you know he comes on he comes on and scores a, a pretty nice goal almost immediately off the bench and i i do think it was good to take a little bit of the weight off of him and um give him some rest and and also maybe and these things are not mutually exclusive maybe just send a message like hey you got to you, you know your spot here isn't guaranteed bro you got to like <laughs> You got to, you got to help us win games. He had, he wasn't really doing that against Canada or against El Salvador. So I, I fully supported the decision to put him on the bench. And, and I think it's still not that, not forever, <laughs> not forever, you know, 
Go ahead. From a, even from a, from a man management standpoint, too, I think it's still an easy one because, again, it's three games in a week in these conditions. So I think it's easy to have that conversation and say, we got to give you a break. You'll come in fresh and you'll, you know, have your way with Honduras. Uh, also, a huge shout out to you, Watkey and Vince for your Paul Rudd approach of just being like, Pulisic, do less. Like, just don't do anything and just let, yeah. let the game happen. Because on his goal, it's hilarious. Like, that's instantly what I thought of because he just stands there. While Pepe and Zimmerman challenge for the ball, totally passive player in the play, and suddenly the ball is directly at his feet, and he just swings a foot and scores a goal. Yeah, he did. He did not. But then, well, well let's get into that yeah, in the timeline. The timeline will cover it. Okay, so Honduras's lineup was Luis Lopez, I think a very, a very good and probably underrated goalkeeper uh, in the goal. And then uh, Calle, I think is probably how you say it, at, at right back, Daniel Maldonado. And Minor Figueroa at center back, and then Elvir at left back, and then uh, Lopez, Alfredo, Mejia, and uh, Delgado, and Rodriguez across the bank of four in the middle, and then the the sort of headliners, Albert Elise and Romel Kyoto up top in a, I guess, ostensibly a two striker formation. And this is where Honduras is set up again, perfect for us. I, I feel like they're flat four four two. Uh, is a perfect lineup for us to go against, uh, for, especially for like De La Torre, right? For him to get his debut and for Kellen Acosta too, uh, to help them look totally in control uh, because it, there's so much room in there for them to operate. Uh, Honduras was disinterested overall. So you have, you have just a great sort of safety net almost for some of these guys coming into these roles uh, in this must-win game. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's going to be, you know, those we're going to have to just, allow those caveats to hang over everything we say here. Um, it also, I also do want to say in the, and you, you may disagree with me on this, which is fine, but um, with regard to the cold, I'm, I'm not in favor of games being played in these conditions. I don't think it was a good idea, uh, but I'm also not in favor of just the mellow, melodramatic moral grandstanding about it that it seems like there is. The fans were fine. I think, we could safely say that the fans were fine and had a great time. The players were miserable. And of course they don't want to play in those conditions, but they're going to be okay. Both of the Honduran players who came off at the half, Luis Lopez and Romel Kyoto were able to leave the twin cities without serious medical incident. As far as we know, we know the coach said that they had hypothermia. We don't know if that was the technical definition of hypothermia, which is, you know, your body temperature drops before below 95 degrees. Uh, and, you know, we think, I mean, some, somebody in, Honduras thinks Lopez is going to start. He's the one who apparently had the more serious situation than Kyoto. Apparently he's going to start tomorrow in a league game against Motagua. He plays for Real España in, um, in Honduras. So I, so very much hope that both of them are okay just for the sake of them being okay. And that's, that's what we want, but also just to like, like cool off the rhetoric a little bit. Yes. It was a bad idea to play the game. No, it wasn't to play the game in St. Paul. No, it was not a crime against humanity in my mind. And, you know, it, and the Fed, we got to mention the Fed got a little unlucky with the weather. With the I'm weather. not giving, I'm not, I'm not. No, no, but I mean, just look at it. It's, it was 35 degrees two days before the game on Monday. It's going to be 40, 40 degrees on Tuesday. Now, I mean, we talked about this at, at length. There's always a good chance you're going to get right. zero degree weather in St. Right. Paul. They were unlucky that they didn't get luckier, I guess. Yes, that's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. So, and I think it was a, you know, at the end of the day, it was a pretty cool experience. So 
even though we shouldn't do it. We shouldn't, we shouldn't do it again. Let's not do it again. Right. It's absolutely one of those things that you're just talking about how horrible it is as you're laughing through it. Right. Yeah. Like, oh my God, there's, there's, I have a beer snowball on my coat. (laughs) Yeah. Although, you know, like if everybody was like super, super careful to get dressed up appropriately and, and I, if you were dressed up appropriately, you were okay. That, the main, the main, my main worry going into the game and during the game was the players, you know, that's their ears, the, right? The, the, yeah. the video of Reggie Cannon's ears where it's like, oh, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know how to diagnose that, but I feel like that's uh, only a few minutes away from it being kind of bad. Frostbite. <laughs> what was, I didn't see that video. What was it? What was it? Uh, his, like his, uh, the tops of his ears, which again, Midwest people who live through the stuff know, like you got to get those things covered up. were like, uh, bright red, like bubbles. Ooh, that's not good. So yeah, so hoping that hoping that uh that they didn't like eventually turn totally black and ha- and you know start to fall off a little bit. But I don't I don't think they have, or I feel like we would have heard about it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, to the timeline. Unless you want to get into any sort of big picture thoughts before we do that. I don't think so. Again, Honduras was in a flat four four two, uh, and we were in our sort of standard uh, front five building out of the back setup not not entirely standard like there was way less uh of of our midfield three pulling out wide the way we've been doing where like mckinney mckinney loves to usually like flatten out to one side or the other almost in the back with the back two center backs uh just collect the ball look forward and then play it up um and it just felt like there was a lot less of that going on there's no need right i mean it was right it was there's so much space Okay, so it's a bit sloppy at the start, I think, predictably, given the conditions. Um, the ref's a, a little quick with the whistle, and he calls he calls a foul. Uh, I get I get against I can't remember which Honduran player, but um, it's Luca De La Torre going away from the goal. I think it was the third foul that would, was whistled by that point, going away from the goal on our right touchline, and um, he gets fouled from behind. Free kick for Callan Acosta, and he takes takes the game's first set piece. And bends it just beautifully. Uh, it's just a delight. Like the 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 shape of his deliveries is kind of sing, I think singular in the player pool. And uh, he puts it right on uh, Wes McKinney's head. Wes McKinney is charging at the near post. He rises and um, and punches it in, like punches it in with his forehead, not his hand. <laughs> <laughs> a really really nice header. A really nice set piece. A really nice header and i guess it's not just the shape of those balls from kellen acosta it's the it's the pace of them and you know they're 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 starting out high and they're coming right to head high dropping you know right into the dangerous area so they can't get cut out before they're before they reach their intended target and um that's our first set piece goal of the qualifying campaign at this point we're now we're now even we were minus one on set pieces thanks to that that Panama own goal, our own goal when we face Panama. Now we're even zero zero for the qualifying campaign, which is a good thing to be uh, than minus one. And Acosta's set piece delivery is an absolute plus for us uh, for when for when he's called on to step into games. Like I don't think there's any two ways about it. Um, Pulisic has been better in this window than in the past. But uh, the first 10 games of qualifying, first eight or nine games of qualifying, I should say, um, it has not been very good. Like the set piece delivery has just been really mediocre. 
and we don't have it, it was mostly Pulisic. It was Aronson. Uh, we just don't have. We hadn't had a reliable set piece taker. Acosta gives us this. I hope Gio Reyna gives us this when he gets back, which it sounds like he's coming back soon because we need it. We have a good player with Walker Zimmerman, McKenney, Miles, Brooks. We have a bunch of players who are excellent in set piece situations, and we've got to make sure that we have someone who can competently get the ball in reliably. Especially, especially McKenney. I mean, his, his timing and his ability to direct the ball where he wants with his head is Wow, it's so good. So good. It's, I mean, it's been good since he was but a wee lad at Schalke. Um, what, so the question is, I mean, I guess Pulisic's set-piece delivery was better against Canada, right? I mean, it's, he is, especially the one he, he put on McKenney's head that, that drew that really good save from Borjan. But I don't know. I don't, it's pretty inconsistent still. I think that's how I would characterize it. Um, so, so I guess the question is, like, is Acosta's set piece delivery, this would be recency bias, I guess you could argue, but is his set piece delivery so valuable that he, you know, he gets a, he gets a, a little bit of credit against Tyler Adams at the six. Uh, well, so he yes, gets a little bit right? of credit against him. A but, little bit. Yeah. Uh, and it, I think it could be in those, against those teams that aren't going to come, come press us really hard. Uh, so I don't know how, I don't know what the, what the Venn diagram of those teams are, but um, you know, the same way that I think there's a, there, there might be an opening against the teams that sit in a really low, low block to put in more of a passing six than Tyler Adams. Uh, I think there, there's also that argument that if, if Adams isn't needed to sweep up a bunch of defensive stuff um, that you could go with more of a player who gives us some edge in the attack and Acosta's set pieces are an edge. Now the question becomes if Gio Reyna's on the field, uh, that marginal edge that Acosta gives you might drop a little bit uh, yeah, compared to true. what it is right now without Gio Reyna. Yeah. Well, and also um, Acosta is a bit, you know, I talked about Pulisic's inconsistency with the set pieces. Acosta's problem as a player for the U.S. has been inconsistency in sort of in the run of play. Like he can be very good and he was good uh, on Wednesday night. He can also be pretty bad and he was pretty bad against Panama. And you just kind of don't know which Kellen you're going to get when the game starts. Yeah, basically, I would say it's it's going to be very little of like a of a edge that you'd give him over Tyler Adams because you just can't be sure that uh, the game's going to play out in such a way that his set piece is, is going to be the crucial difference. Yeah, uh, over over like Adams is just ridiculous defensive work that I think probably does go underappreciated even by us sometimes. You know, when we were talking more about like his two or three turnovers. Rather than like the countless the seventeen of, times, yeah, yeah and, and even the ones that he doesn't actually break up, but the ones that he prevents just by being in the space he's in, covering the ground he's in, reading the game the way he reads it. Yeah. Okay. Um, a few minutes after the goal, so that's so that's it. One zero USA. Huge sigh of relief for everybody. Um, shortly after the goal, McKenney takes a shot from the like just inside the box that that go that ricochets off of Pepe. Um, it, it sort of passed in the broadcast, like it didn't, they didn't show a replay of it. I don't think, but, uh, you know, we're, we're knocking on the door again. Um, right around the 13 minute mark, Luca Della Torre fires a pass into Pepe just inside the box. Um, you get a, you get a little bit of that, you know, will to push the game forward from Luca Della Torre there. 
and Peppy Peppy loses it almost immediately. Um, Peppy gets his nose broken, taking a really really hard elbow to the face from Daniel Maldonado, and um, you know we find out later he's got blood coming out of his nose onto his mouth, and we find out later his nose was in fact broken, or at least that's what he said on Instagram. That's um, a it's a tough, tough way to uh, play out the rest of a game, too. You're talking <laughs> six, 60 minutes after that with a broken nose, man. And that's a jolt. He, it, was yeah. a, it was a full body jolt with the brunt of it being taken against that elbow. That's, that's a connection, a collision. Yeah, it was, it, the connection was sweet, as they say. <laughs> um, 1945, uh, 19 minute and 45 seconds in, we get a, we get a good chance, uh, some counter pressing from Anthony Robinson. He wins the ball back on the left side. And then with the outside of his boot finds Wea's feet in half space Wea takes a touch to his inside and uncorks a low dipping shot that, uh, Lopez just palms wide of the far post. So there's a, you know, for those of you saying we need Wea on the left and Pulisic on the right, there's a little data point to confirm that, uh, position. Looked and, awfully dangerous. And for those of us who say that the U.S. still takes shots when it's not ready to take a shot, that's another one for me because it was another Anthony Robinson flying past Wea as everyone's paying attention to Wea, totally unmarked. So a little slip pass there sets up what could have been an Anthony Robinson square for a tap-in. Uh, I so didn't even this, notice that. It's this, uh, it's this balance of like, uh, you know, do you just take the shot when it's on or do you keep being you know early 2000s arsenal walk the ball into the goal like what's the what's the right balance uh i think right now we're still too trigger happy with the shots uh but that's also coming from somebody who dogmatically feels like finding the extra pass and upping your percentages is the way to go yeah play soccer the right way as they say (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah acosta i have in my notes here at this point with no specific time timestamp in mind Acosta's very active and solid you know swashbuckling into the corner to win the ball back tidy in the middle drawing fouls being kind of savvy you know taking contact and going down able to play some passes with range I mean we're not he's not we're not saying he's prime Pirlo here but he but he is you know he is dropping some passes over distance that we don't see a lot from Tyler Adams for sure Again, tons of space. I'm not arguing for Acosta to start over Tyler Adams. I'm not secretly trying to do that. Just pointing out something. Uh, then we get in the tw- in the 26 minute, a good clipped ball over the top from Acosta to Wea. Um, one of the nicest passes from Acosta on the night, and he try- Wea tries to bring it down with Lopez rushing at him. His and his shot. I don't even know if he really gets a shot off, but um, Lopez sort of deals with it, and it falls to Pepe who has his shot blocked off his foot. So another good chance. Yeah. Way, the way his timing of the run there is awesome. Uh, it helps to time your runs when the guy with the ball doesn't have to time his delivery. Like, uh, I mean, it, it, just going back to the fact that there's zero pressure on a cost. Yeah. He can just stand there and watch. And so way is just waiting for his defender to like fall asleep for a second, then takes off, sets up, sets up his man and then takes off directly at goal. And it's just so easy, right? It's like, it's so easy to do this against this, uh, half asleep Honduras team. Uh, and, and I don't know if way I really got a shot. I thought he was trying to like technique the ball into the goal. I feel like he was literally trying to like Cruyff it, uh, whatever, wherever his feet were setting to just yeah. nudge it beyond Lopez. Yeah. I don't know what you, what you should do in that situation. Like, I don't know, try to try to help it along with the outside of your foot past the keeper out of the air. Or I don't, I don't know. Um, 
I did think, you know, Wea had a couple chances in front of goal where he didn't, he maybe, you know, I know you hate this kind of talk, but he could have maybe done a little better. Um, the only, the only other one I wanted him to do was, again, make an extra pass on the one that we'll talk to in a little a bit because it was the best moment on the field uh, soccer-wise. Oh, yeah, I know. Serginho Dest and Mark McKenzie had the best moment of the night on the, on the sideline, but there was an excellent moment on the field. There was. Um, 29-minute 20, mark, a good bit of interplay up the left side from McKenney, and he plays a little reverse pass to Anthony out on the wing who puts the ball into the box. Ricardo Pepe tries an acrobatic finish with his left foot from 12 yards and uh, hits it over. Would have been real special had he gotten that on frame even. You know, Pepe, Pepe tried an overhead kick against Canada too that gets lost in the uh, shuffle because of Ariola's two attempts, but uh, we're, we're going for those. I feel like there's a real freedom within the team uh, and maybe even like, an, under, like a, an official spoken challenge, like a race for the first overhead finish. Maybe there was a memo. Somebody leaked the memo, leaked the memo. <laughs> uh, another just sort of general note, Luca doing a lot of that thing he does where he just dribbles forward and manages to keep the ball. He's not quite uh, Musa or McKenney in that sense, but he's pretty, he's pretty ball secure and strong in the, in the duel. Um, and he's just out there. I was, I just wrote, he's get he's out there getting first downs, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just get, just another 10 yards. And, uh, yeah, the the and, ball security and it, it takes me right back to what he said in your interview with him because the ball security is the moment as he receives it, right? He's got the he's got the awareness, he's got the uh, like uh, field sense, and yes, like also the technique. I know he kind of like downplayed the technique and was saying it's all about awareness, uh, but but this like uh, the technique to just as he's receiving it to sort of eliminate the first player. It's not like he's dribbling at people and taking them on. It's the moment of receiving the balls where he cuts a player out and then he's just going to be running into the open space. And again, in this Honduras game, once you beat that first man in a flat four, four, two, there's so much room to run into because the defense, once, once the first line gets broken, basically just has to start dropping until it can get its numbers compact again. Right. And this is how he plays. I mean, this is not, if, if you've been watching him at Heracles, this is how he plays. You know, he, he does that. His, his first touch is good. It often does eliminate somebody. And then he keeps his, his body between the ball and the defender at almost all times. So they either have to foul him or, or he kind of leaves him, leaves him behind again. He does that week in week out in, in the Netherlands. It's not, this is not something special to this game against Honduras. Um, 36, 36, sorry, 37th minute, uh, goal USA. Dilatore again is fouled this time on the left sideline. And it's after like, a, it's after one of the, pretty much exactly what you just described. He, he takes a touch in our, you know, in our half to eliminate a guy and just carries the ball down the left side. He gets fouled. He gets tackled by one guy and then fouled by another guy coming in the side. I think it was Kaye. And, um, and then, uh, Acosta takes the set piece this time from the other side. It's another curling, dipping ball that just makes things complicated for the opponent. And um, Jordan Morris, I don't know, did he get a touch to it as it sails by him? He he contested for no, it. And it doesn't matter that much. Again, yeah, it was enough to throw off that defender and the defender right beyond Morris, who had the ball like short hop into their hand. And in a different, uh, if the play had ended differently, I would have been up in arms about uh, a handball, but. Uh, as it happened, uh, it fell near Zimmerman. And I don't want to just say it fell to Zimmerman's feet because I don't think that gives Zimmerman enough credit for absolutely 
bodying uh, whoever was next to him. Like he demolished a guy yeah. in within a foot of space. You know what I mean? Like to create all the time in the world uh, at the six yard box that con- that con- like it, it wasn't that much time. But when you're at the top of the box or at the six yards out, that is an eternity to just ram the ball home. Yeah. And he first created to- that again with just that, like he's a grown up. Yep. I mean, his first, his first touch was kind of nice too. I don't, I mean, I don't know how much he intended it to be, but he, but if his first touch brought it down right underneath his feet and then he got out of his feet pretty quickly um, because he had to, because Lopez was coming out for it. Um, and then he sort of scuffs it, sort of gave it the Ozil, like hit it right off the ground and <laughs> bounced it. Um, if it was, if it was Ozil, we'd be giving him credit for an intentional technique to smash <laughs> yeah. it in. With Zimmerman, I'm not, I'm not entirely that. sure. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, and it's two zero. Um, so then at the half, Romel Kyoto and Luis Lopez both come off. Um, their manager Gomez was the one who said that they were treat, being treated for hypothermia. Um, we've already covered that. And I do very much hope that there is no long lasting, you know, damage to them because of that. I don't think there will be, uh, 49, 15, 49 minute, 15 second. We get another chance. This is that, um, this is the one I think you were referencing earlier. So why oh, don't yeah. you take it? So this is the one that everyone just wants to watch over and over again, right? Because uh, it's McKinney and McKinney and Wea going up the right side. And, you know, for all the talk about how, how uh, stagnant our attack is or ha- has been this qualifying campaign, like Wea is a total outlier to that. And it's whoever was playing with him on the right side isn't always involved in like some excellent attacks. And this time it's McKinney and Wea. Uh, so the ball, uh, is up to McKenney, who backheels it into Wea's path. Wea hits it back to McKenney. Then Wea cuts in. McKenney kind of dances on it for a little bit, long enough that the defender sort of frees again, and Wea recognizes uh, the pocket to sort of go inside out across McKenney's face. McKenney slips it into Wea, and then Wea hits it at the goalkeeper, uh, whoever came in for Lopez. Uh, Menhivar. Right. So, so everything is, this is just so fluid. It's like so elegant. Uh, it's just beautiful. And the one thing we needed here was for Wea as he's running onto that to just have the presence of mind to square it. And Pepe has a full like shoulders width of space for a tap in into an open net. And that would have just been the most like sublime goal that the U.S. has probably ever scored in World Cup qualifying. <laughs> oh, man, it would have been it would have been special. Um, I love that. I love that outside of the boot pass from McKenney to Wea because it's all very nice in the lead up to that but that is the that is the key that unlocks the door right there I mean and Wea's Wea's move into that space as well that's what really you know opens it up and I don't I you know that his ability McKenney's ability to see that pass and his ability to execute it with you know I don't know an inch of space to get that pass through there it's very I mean let's say a ball's width with an inch on either side to get that pass through there. It's um, so lovely. It's great. It, it's fun to watch. And again, like wait, it's not like way shot was doomed to fail. It's just uh, like if he has a big window to just slide it across the top of the box. And I, I don't know how much uh, post game work we do on those like last second decisions. If it's always just like you do your thing or if it's like, Hey, do your thing, but also take a look at this like still frame of while you're pulling your foot back to strike it this window exists for one more pass for a tap in. Uh, so just that seems ha- like, that seems like the appropriate pedagog pedagogical method, right? <laughs> Cause we have a bunch of them. Somebody uh, posted it on, posted one on, maybe it was a discord, maybe it was Twitter uh, about the Aaronson volley against Canada. 
uh, as the ball sort of bounced back out of the box and Aronson r- races onto it right at the top of the box and smashes it towards goal and it gets blocked. And someone pointed out, like, as the defender's stepping up to block Aronson, Serginho Dest is literally just walking right beside him totally by himself. So yep. if Aronson was just on settles Twitter. the ball yeah. towards, towards Dest, and that's exactly like the kind of thing I'm looking for is you've got the defense scrambling to cre- now that you've created one shot. And can you actually trade that shot for a way higher percentage one with a simple pass? Nothing complicated. If it's complicated, no, just take the shot. But simple stuff, can you, can you trade up? Yeah. Well, I hope that that's how it's approached. Like, here's, a, here's, a, here's the video. We'll pause it right here. Do your thing, but, you know, consider the possibility that we could have we gotten a tap in for, for Ricardo here. Um. So still 2-0 in the 53rd minute. Uh, just got to mention that Acosta went for goal. I think he did it on purpose. Went for goal on a set piece from 30 yards. And um, kind of, I kind of enjoyed that. He tried that. And it, it, don't let that keeper cheat out too much. He does draw a, a save. The keeper just pushes it over the bar. We should, should also mention too, and we could have mentioned it right after we talked about Zimmerman's goal. At this point, the game is completely over. Like it was probably over at one zero, but at two yeah. zero, like that was it. And I think everyone in the stadium knew it, players included. Uh, you know, Honduras attempted two shots. One of them was from midfield. There was nothing in this game for them, and and it was very much a, a running out the clock exercise from that point on. Yeah. The, that being said, I'm going to still do a few more items here. Um, oh, totally, because you know it, it was a chance for us. It was basically just like an attacking reps situation. Yeah. In in singular conditions, um, a decent chance for Pepe on a feed from Morris. There's like a cannon sort of tries to fire one in from the right side, and Wea battles for it and kind of it sprays to Morris. Morris takes a touch and then squares it to Pepe at the penalty marker, and he drags his shot wide. Not not Pepe's night. Maybe we should talk about this. Not not Pepe's night. Um, and the striker position remains unsettled, I guess. What, what, what are your thoughts on all that? I, I think that's absolutely the case. Uh, I went back and watched all of Pepe's moments. And what I always think to myself is like, okay, if, if this was Zardes playing in this game, giving this exact performance, what would the discourse be? <laughs> and it would very much be like, why is he still out there? If, if Zardes did everything Pepe did, and that doesn't mean Pepe did everything wrong. I'm sort of b- baking in what the, sort of general opinion of Zardes is and looking at it through those glasses, it would be like, he doesn't, he's not bringing anything. He's not adding anything. What, why is he still out there? Uh, because Pepe didn't really do anything, right? I mean, he connected one or two really simple uh, times in midfield. Um, and that, that was the extent of his involvement. And again, I'm not saying this to like, try to bag on him. We weren't but doing take a lot the- of things. Yeah, that's true. But take it, take, take Zardes out of it because we can agree that the discourse about Zardes is like pretty unfair and over the top. Um, you know, take, I do agree that the discourse would be, <laughs> you just, if, if Zardes plays that same way in this game, then he, he's going to get, you know, dragged on social media for sure. And Berhalter will be dragged for starting him. And anybody who doesn't criticize Berhalter for starting him will, will be dragged too. But, um, <laughs> But like, like take all that out of it. It's, I mean, he did, he did have the flick on, on the third goal. Uh, I, I mean, he didn't do nothing. He didn't, but he didn't, you're right. He didn't do a lot. 
and, and that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying he was he was atrocious. I'm saying he was he he felt like kind of a non-factor out there, mm-hmm. uh, which is, is again not also not a an abnormal thing for a striker over the course of a game. Sometimes they just don't have much involvement in the really important plays, and I think that's that's essentially what it was. So I guess the best I can say is uh, we'll see. You know, <laughs> I mean, we'll see. We'll see how how Josh Sargent plays over the next couple months at Norwich and how Pepe plays and how, you know, I guess DK's going to be injured for a little while. So we may not get to see much of him, but uh, you know, it's a, it's an open competition, I think for those minutes. But here's my question. Now at the end of this particular window, we had three strikers in camp. They each got one start. Uh, Who had the best performance out of the three strikers for you? Well, I know, I know it was Ferreira. Um, <laughs> You're resigned to, all right, fine, fine. It was Ferreira, but he, he had big misses. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I, I just. I appreciate uh, you. I appreciate you not, not bringing up, not bringing the, the big miss discourse back. We got, yeah, we got some detail on the, the stats bomb XG for that shot. It is, it, it, I mean, like very, very, I'm sure you're very, very excited to share this with everyone, Greg. What, okay. What so learn? yeah. What did we learn? Stats bomb takes into account the height of the ball, which other which other ones don't. So they they would treat other other sources would treat the uh, Ferreira chants against uh, El Salvador that he put over the bar as as the same as they would if it was just a ball on the ground that he was tapping in. Uh, Stats bomb does not, so it's it still came out as a point four five xg chance. Uh, but again, a little that adds a, a significant degree of difficulty hitting it in when it's chest high. Yeah, it's it it halves the xG of the chance almost, almost. I think it was point seven five by the more you know by the more traditional or the you know the less accurate uh, xG measures. <laughs> and we'll have to we'll have to maybe we can ask what it would have what that same shot would be if it's attempted with the pelvis rather than with the foot, because mm-hmm. it takes into account what your what body part you're using. Yeah. I, okay. I'm, I'm all for the I'm all for the pelvis <laughs> attempt there. This was all just to say, like, out of these three games, you know, we went in in my mind saying strikers unsettled. Out of these three games, the striker who had the best showing in my, for me was Jesus Ferreira. Now again, Zardes is at a disadvantage here because he's the one playing the best team by far, and he's doing it on the road on that turf. And we were kind of a mess overall once we got into the final third. You you can definitely say that's partly because of who's playing striker. But it it just seems like uh, if if you weren't locked into somebody before this window, I don't know how you'd like come out of it being like, oh, this is we found the guy. No, unless you're, unless you're just going to say, well, we scored the most goals while Pepe was in. So uh, that must mean that Pepe's the guy. I don't know that anybody's saying that. I guess. Yeah, I think Ferreira probably moves up a little in the pecking order, although, you know, you could argue Pepe had a tougher sort of run of play assignment than Ferreira did playing in zero degree weather. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I guess you could kind of slice it any way you want to back up whatever narrative you want to push. One more, one more bit on that is uh, just talking about Jesus Ferreira. I'm really excited to see what he does with Dallas this season. They've signed Paul Ariola. They've also just brought in a, a really young Argentina striker or winger. I'm sorry. Um, so he's gonna this. He's going to be like in a pretty exciting front three on paper for and for MLS. And we could really see him blossom. As Jackson Pomacall is going to move to the midfield for that team. That's, uh, that's the basically, hope. well, I mean, that's what everybody's saying, including Paxton himself. And I should say the hope is like, he gets the start. So I think he's definitely being thought of as a central midfielder now. Oh, I see. So the hope is like he, he makes the job his. 
Let's all put a lot of hope in FC Dallas, the <laughs> FC Dallas television watching experience, because that never goes wrong. Um, no, it, it, there is. I think there are legit reasons to be excited about how Dallas is going to look and play, and um, and Ferrero is a big part of that. Uh, uh, but that, yeah, that's the striker conversation from this window. I think, I think that is a good. I think that's a good way to sum it up. Not too long, nice and substantive. Well done, Greg. Fifty ninth <laughs> minute. Morris picks up a loose ball after a Honduras goal kick and he drives at the box and has a shot from the edge of it. Ultimately a pretty comfortable save from Menjivar. And, uh, and then Menjivar gets knocked in the head by a way across attempt. I will say, and then there was, you know, a little bit of a concussion protocol there. I don't think he got a concussion, but Wea was not at his sharpest in this game. Um, and he, but then the thing is, even when he's not, he's, probably our best attacker. <laughs> so he's uh for me, it's, you know, we're doing the new quarterly power rankings I just put those on the discord for any, anybody who listens and is also on there. Um, and I, you know, I, for me, it's like for a long time, it was like Christian Pulisic, number one, Tyler Adams, number two. And you know, you could, you, anybody who's listening could be like, Hey, this is a dumb way to think about this, <laughs> the game of soccer, but <laughs> you know, just suspend your disbelief for a moment. Um, he was one, Pulisic one, Tyler Adams two, maybe John Brooks three, um, Wes McKinney somewhere in there, four or five. That's, that's how it was for a long time. And I would say now it's pretty clearly, at least in my opinion, Wes McKinney number one, Tim Weah number two. Yeah, and, and Walker Zimmerman number three. Like, I don't think, <laughs> I think it's basically like a cut and dry top three. And then after that, it's just going to be a, a fight for fourth. You really think Walker Zimmerman's number three? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not saying that. It's, uh, but I, I think I like. I totally keep, keep rolling with McKenny and Wea because those guys seem to have the most effect on our team when we win soccer games. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I. I don't know about Zimmerman at number three, but I do think. <laughs> I mean, Zimmerman's got it. He's uh, he's up there now. Um, he's moving up, moving on up. Uh, in the 64th minute, Pulisic comes on. Also, just real quick, Walker Zimmerman has an amazing angry man goal celebration. Oh man. Yeah. Like just the intense, like I, I hope he scores every other game so we can get that, that reaction. We still haven't gotten one of his uh, towering set piece headers for the national team, or at least haven't recently. So it seems like that's coming. it was from like really early in the Burhalter era. I'll have to pull up his celebration there too, because again, when you watch that, it does just make you like feel good about having him on, on your soccer team. Yeah. He's an, I was trying to read his a, lips. He's a powerful man. On the, <laughs> we're trying to get him on the podcast. I think I, you know, a lot of our attempts to get people for interviews are just pipe dreams. Uh, <laughs> but I think this is, uh, this could actually happen. Uh, I'm not saying um, this about him just because I think uh, it'll help us get him on the podcast. No, I just, it, he ha- he's got some good goal celebration posture. Yeah. I, tr- I tried to read his lips after the, and I could not figure out what he was saying. He wasn't saying let's go. I don't think, I don't know. That's what I'd say. Oh, that's how I just say that all the time. <laughs> if I were, if I scored, well, let's go, let's F go. Um, 66 minute. So Pulisic comes out from Morris in the 64th. And then in the 66 minute, we get the third goal, Another good set piece delivery from, from Acosta, this one on a corner and Pepe, Pepe meets it in front of the first defender, flicks it into the, into a chaotic area where it falls to Zimmerman. Again, it just kind of settles off of him. <laughs> I have this time to Pulisic. I don't know that he intended that, but it falls right to Pulisic and he takes it first time 
just strokes it into the side netting, easy as you like. Quite a pleasing to the eye finish for me. And um, it's 3-0 with 20-some minutes to play. And the rest of the game, there's two, I think there are two more incidents worth discussing, but the game is, the game was, as you said, already over. Oh, well and truly over here. Yeah, but now it's, now it's over, over. What do you, uh, you know, a lot of, I've listened to a few other podcasts and a lot of people were saying, well, it's good for Pulisic's confidence to get this goal. You know, he kind of went to the, he went to the corner flag towards the corner flag, kind of like with a arms outstretched shoulder shrug kind of thing going like, like probably cause he's like, I didn't do anything for that goal. Just yeah. that, that one, that one just came to me. Uh, Maybe. Or I, I read it as kind of like, um, come on guys, give me a break. <laughs> come on. I don't, I don't know. I like, I don't want to do too much like uh body language stuff. Um, but like, as much as we're talking about how, you know, that goal came from him not doing anything, he did get on the ball a lot of other times in this game and like did things with it. Um, where it looked more like his his like actual quality of touch was present. Mm-hmm. Uh, plenty of chances to like start running at people, and and those little slaloms and cuts looked a lot more on point. And, he did. I I didn't even think to like credit it to the fact that he just st- scored a goal. I think it is a more relaxed situation here, being up three zero in a game that you know Honduras have no interest in trying to uh, come back into. And also, I do think the field quality probably plays into it, where this field is a good you know well-maintained surface that had heating so it wasn't a frozen block the way it was in canada so when he, when we you know constantly talk about that missed chance to dribble alistair johnson in canada part of that is it might just have been really difficult because he's on artificial turf that he's not used to and you know the elements played into it and you're going to make more mistakes dribbling in those conditions yeah but he looked good right he <laughs> did this, i was in, i was just gonna say I was just going to say the, the Roldan shot that went over our last, you know, our last, the last time we threatened Honduras's goal, it was, uh, it came from a Pulis, a scything Pulisic run with the ball from the left touchline into zone 14 and he played it right to Roldan's feet. Nice to see him skip by a couple guys is what I thought when I saw that. Um, so yeah. And then, uh, should we mention Burhalter taking pictures with fans? <laughs> Sure. Like, what do you what do you have for us, Bells? I don't really care about it, honestly. It's some, I, you know, some people. Herc Gomez was saying it's like too, it's so disrespectful uh, that if he was playing for Honduras, he would be two footing two footing somebody the next time he gets on the field. Herc knows this stuff better than I do. I did not know that that was that disrespectful. Um, and then you know, Matt Doyle was saying it's so disrespectful. I love it, and uh, so I. I don't have a strong feeling. I just, did, I guess I just didn't realize how disrespectful that was. Uh, I, I can see it. I mean, again, it's, it's sports. There's, there's always ways that you look for locker room material and I could totally see this being the case. The, the moral side of it again, like I don't, I don't have any time for people who are like, it's sports. It's like a, uh, a sports disrespect, right? It's not like a real, real world disrespect. Yeah. Uh, but I, I could see, you know, people having that approach. Like it's definitely, it could definitely be taken as like this full heel turn move from Burhalter. Uh, I, I don't, I don't really care one way or the other. Uh, we don't play Honduras again. Waki's for, video is. Waki's video is good though, because he 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 right. notices that that Burhalter checked the um, checked the crossfield camera to see if it was on him, and sure enough, it was. And then he, <laughs> and then he looks back, he looks away, he looks back, and then. 
you could see on his face the moment where he realized he shouldn't have done that, you know? <laughs> That's probably where, where it lands, right? Like, oh, I should probably be, you know, paying more attention to the, to the game that I'm the head coach of. Yeah. I mean, it was three zero. There was a significant stoppage. I don't know. Um, so yeah, if you came here for a strong opinion about, about Berhalter <laughs> getting pictures with the fans, sorry to disappoint. Uh, it was a bad picture. I mean, the, the picture came out pretty terrible. Did it? Yeah. Okay. Oh, Berhalter, not going to be like, Oh, that was my good side. Not going to be framing that one. Sets uh, so this all sets us up for uh, a nail biting window in March. That's uh, Mexico away, Panama at home, and Costa Rica away. Basically, you know, barring some crazy stuff going on, we just need to beat Panama at home and we go to the World Cup. So, not quite right. Like, uh, I know that you can kind of talk yourself into circles with the math, but the math isn't going to be that clear because Costa Rica have been doing enough. Like they, they're the, actually the sneaky ones. If we beat Panama at home, which we very much will be huge favorites to do, we are ba- we're free and clear of Panama, who has been our main worry. But if it's just a three-point window and we lose in Azteca and we lose in Costa Rica, Costa Rica can catch us with nine points and pass us. So that's, that actually becomes sort of the new, <laughs> the new sneaky worry is Costa Rica's... Uh, away match in that window and then whether or not we go into <laughs> Costa Rica on the final day of qualifying where a Costa Rica win jumps ahead of us and that and no other results would even matter it just comes down to we need a draw or a win against Costa Rica yeah I know but like Costa Rica <laughs> plays Canada first um, I don't know the chances of them getting a nine point window just seem pretty low but I know I know it's 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 possible yeah canada's i mean yeah it's it's uh it's nerve-wracking for me to have that be the case so a point in in mexico city would be massive yeah in mexico you know and then mexico basically in the same situation we're in with regard to all of this so they're you know they're playing for their lives uh they're that's gonna be a that's gonna be a tough a tough one but yeah it would go a long way just to get that just to get a point there um yeah, we'll we have, have the, to f- go ahead. The, the Panama math is straightforward. We've got a four-point lead on them. Uh, if we beat them in the home game, uh, that's it, right? They're they're dusted. They can't catch us again. Uh, it's it. So it all comes down to like that Costa Rica. Because if if we don't get the points against Panama, then it, then it's almost like Costa Rica will probably will probably catch us and pass us unless we win yeah, away Mexico. to Costa Rica. Yeah. So so yeah so it it actually still isn't as free and clear as we really wish it were despite our six point window. We needed that Canadian nine point window. So Canada just pulled off the nine point window in a window where they played away from home twice. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear about it. (laughs) Like talk about like just an outrageous run that they're on. They played the second place team in the region and beat them at home and then went on the road in CONCACAF, which we've been told over and over. You can't just go on the road and win in CONCACAF and they win twice and they are cruising. Yeah. They're on another level from us in terms of managing games and getting results. That's for sure. Oh boy. I'm getting (laughs) these last two minutes have made me a little sick to my stomach. (laughs) That Costa again, that Costa Rica run is nerve wracking for me. So Costa Rica on 16 points right now, a nine point window for them with two home games uh, in March puts them at 25. 
and we're at 21. So we would need four points to stay ahead of them. We've got them destroyed on goal difference. We're plus eight on goal difference. So it's really unlikely that we lose out on that. But uh, we got to we got to make sure we're with them on points. Yeah. It's going to be. Yeah. Oof. I guess I'll, I'll just quit making, you know, audible noises of um, <laughs> discomfort here. Anything else we should talk about? Uh, we'll have to figure out what we're going to do over the next few weeks um, on the podcast. We will. We'll do something. Rest assured of that. <laughs> well, we got a ton of new club situations to monitor is what we're going to be doing. There's a lot. There's a yeah. lot of movement and we haven't really ever summed all of that up yet. Yeah. Somebody somebody suggested a transfer window uh, reset episode. So maybe we'll do that next week or something like like Kevin Kevin Paredes could play for Wolfsburg this weekend. And that is just bar- like that just got back onto my radar as I was like looking yeah. at the playbook. I'm like, oh, that's right. Cole Bassett. <laughs> There's a lot of cool jumps, things. Yeah. Jumps into a, a Europa League uh, chase for Feyenoord. Um, I actually don't even know if that's true. I just guessed that based on the history of the club. <laughs> He's um, not registered for their uh, for their European competition for this the remainder of this season. So he won't I'm just saying any. a meaning, a meaningful race in the table to be in for and sure. Again, I don't even know if that's true. I just said it. <laughs> Journalistic standards have been a shambles. A total shambles. Like yeah. we are just going to repeat any rumor that we hear. And when we aren't repeating rumors, we're just actively making things up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fine order. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're, they're in the, they're technically in the race for the title. Yeah, six points adrift of Ajax at one, and they're four points behind PSV. Yeah, they're very much in the hunt for both the Champions League and Europa Europa League. Hey, quit! We got to save this. We're saving this for our big wrap up of transfers. We can't do this now. Okay, stay focused. Eyes on the prize. Four point window. We need a four point window in March. Well, uh, I should say special thanks to Vivi and Jonathan who made the song sheets for the for the get together yet uh, on Wednesday. Incredible. Really appreciate that. You too. And, um, thanks everybody for coming to that again. And thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you.